When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Definitely we'll check oh, it yeah. out the next time I'm there. I usually uh, force Blake, Blake to come out to dinner with me when I'm there, which can be both wonderful and awkward at certain times. I see him when he's when he does his, he does his grocery shopping <laughs> Not far from the shop, so I see him yeah. usually with a bag full of you know yeah. produce or something. Yep, I I, I force him into into uh, awkward social settings. So <laughs> it's not hard to it's, you know it's not hard to do with him. <laughs> I'm never sure if he's having a good time. It takes about three days for him to text me after our because I usually have these big family dinners, you know, because I've got t- sure. tons of family and friends back there. But he, and he's always kind of like. Doesn't see look like he's sure, and then he texts me. He's like, "Oh, that was great. Thank you so much." You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I've been having the same conversation with him since something like 1990. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host Pepper and I'm joined as always by Kevin McCracken, the hardest working man in show business. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. A uh, little construction going on outside my house, but I'm really excited for our guest today, Zach Barokas, um, from uh, the you know amazing and legendary, in my opinion, band Jawbox, uh, as well as you know, we'll talk a bit about his current projects that he's working on. Um, where he's- Should we mention again why we're doing so much Jawbreaker and Jawbox? And it's that we're doing every band in alphabetical order. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. Um, but Zach, welcome to the show. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as I mentioned in our previous take, uh, you know, in all honesty, you're one of my favorite drummers. I, I go to see you all play. I saw you guys back when you were playing previously um because i'm an old dude and um i got to see the shows at the fillmore this last round where i introduced myself to you and jay on the way out and so welcome 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 and uh just excited to have you here so if you don't mind just give us a little bit of your background and and you know i i know you've done a lot of drumming interviews but maybe talk a little bit not just about the drum part but how you met um, Jay and the the crew in Jawbox because I know you weren't the original. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show. First of all, um, I met Jawbox. I li- I'm from Rochester, New York originally, and uh, we booked Jawbox to come up and play. You know, on whatever Sunday morning it was back then. <laughs> when uh, you were when you it, used to did you used to book shows? Yeah, yeah, and we all kind of used to book shows because everybody had a band, you know, that sort of thing. But but there were a few of us who kind of focused on DC and Discord bands. Uh-huh. Uh, so we had actually, I was trying to book another Fugazi show to bring them back up, and they weren't touring at that moment. So Ian said, "Call Kim or Jay," and uh, so I did, and that was, and they came up, and we met, and we became friends. And something like a year later, I moved into their house down in Maryland, I moved from Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, but I wasn't playing anymore. I decided to stop playing uh, and was trying to go back to school. And that was going okay. But then uh, the following, that would have been in the summer of 91, the following spring uh, is when Adam quit to join Shutter to Think, Adam Wade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in the house. so that seemed like a good match more or less. Like it wasn't a very, I didn't, I didn't audition or, or anything like they knew that I had been a pretty good drummer a year before or whatever, two mm-hmm. years before. 
Um, sure. So I started playing with them while Jay was Jay was on tour with Pegboy uh, at the time. So I learned all the songs with Kim and Bill. And then when Jay got back, we were a band. And that was how that went. Amazing. How yeah. did you even Amazing. get into hardcore music in the first place? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure how much I was into hardcore music. Uh, I had I had or friends punk, who were I mean. yeah. Well, I had friends who were into it. Was was how it worked. And uh, right. over over some period of time, they became my closer friends. And then uh, one of them made me a tape that was there was a Fugazi, a nine thirty club show and their demo cassette. Sure. Yeah. He made me a copy of that, and then I ha- I also had a copy of Government Issues Crash, their last record. Uh, Were you already drumming then, at this point? Oh yeah, yeah. I started drumming as a kid. Um, oh, when I was you know ten, something like that. Uh, so, but these guys, you know, they were kind of turning me on to all this music, and then I went in on my own, and it happened to be a good release week. I came home with Bad Brains, Quickness, and Doughboys Home Again. And I can't remember what the other one was. It was some other, like, I inadvertently scooped my friends on these releases. I might have bought Crash that day. That might have been when I got because I knew that one. Um, sure. But, you know, eventually they needed a drummer, sort of. So I was that, that drummer. So I ended up playing in these bands uh, that were kind of influenced by, by Government Issue or influenced by Soul Side or influenced by, you know, Scream, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, uh, I never really looked back. I, a big part of it was that my fr- actually, you know, I wasn't a hardcore band, but it was it was a bit of a ruse because we had started out as a kind of ska and mod band, mm. but no <laughs> one came to our no one came to our shows, so we became a hardcore band and people came to our shows. Uh, That's funny, but it was you know it was interesting, a hardcore especially because of the time ska breaks. You know, I'm sorry, <laughs> what was that coming? I said it's well, interesting it, because the timing ska was like you know they were it, there was a lot of like ska popularity especially oh know, yeah yeah I mean we were I, I I still I'm, I mean I assume if I heard Bim Scala Bim right now I'd probably think it was pretty cool you know, I <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the last time I heard them but I I enjoyed it you know uh, yeah. but it was it, I so I kind of came to it more through the the scene than through the music itself if that makes any sense absolutely yeah yeah, I, yeah for sure. I mean, especially um, before I move on, shout out yep. to the Doughboys. Shout sure. out. Lo- yeah. Love that band. One of the best live bands ever. Saw them play at Gilman and in Northern California a few other times. Um, and they don't, I don't think they get enough credit. So it was nice to hear that name mentioned. Yeah. They're one of yeah, those bands band. I don't even think of unless somebody brings them up. Um, sure. But um, it's interesting because I think, you know, just drilling down on that point, a lot of us, you know, that kind of got into punk or hardcore music, were I think looking more for community than necessarily a specific yeah. style of music. Yeah. And we're kind of looking for a tribe of some kind, you know, and, and Oh, sure. Um, sure. So I, I, I like drugs, that. Drugs point. hadn't paid off like the other, you know, delinquency wasn't, that was, a, <laughs> yeah. that was my scene, but it was kind of short lived, you know, it has a, it has a shorter lifespan than, than some of this other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. So how long, how old were you when you moved out of Rochester? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I must've been 20, I, uh, 21 i had my 22nd birthday uh like right after i moved down there interesting town i mean so you were there like probably when when kodak was going through its ups and oh, downs yeah. and mostly ups yeah. still i mean i grew yeah. up there so yeah i was there they were, they were hiring everybody yeah they yeah. were i mean it was a it was a remarkable i i, I am not sure i would want to grow up there now Right, you know, not the. I mean, my the the suburb I grew up in is remarkably similar to the way it was. I think when I was a kid, yeah. uh, which is kind of kind of evenly, if not strategically, divided between uh, both Orthodox and secular Jews and Catholic people, which makes yeah. it a little bit like Brooklyn in, yeah. in that way. You know, like once once you you kind of get away from uh, the Black and Latino populations, the Asian populations. It, it, it looks a little bit like that uh, still, um, which I think was, was had origins in some political decisions about where, where I'm Jewish, where we were allowed to live in the oh, area, right. yeah. such as it is, you know, and, and I think Rochester, a lot of the racial problems that it's had over the years, which, you know, they were, they were 
their riots were in 1965. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a long-standing history of, of some real tension there, uh, which no doubt derives from Kodak's hiring policies, I would think, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, that would make sense. My, my mother has actually become kind of an expert on this in her retirement. But uh, so shout out to my mom for, for getting her yeah. education you know, but it's, it's in any case, I think it back then when I was growing up, most of that was still under the surface of things and everybody mm-hmm. seemed to have enough money to, to, to start a band or whatever, you know, uh, at least everybody I knew. So yeah. in the end, we, that was sort of how it worked. I mean, I, before I met all the punk kids, uh, I was part of a, a kind of rotating cast of, uh, variously stoned youth jamming in basements. You know what I mean? It was mm, sure. like, I was always playing. Uh, but I don't think it came to mean much until I met the punk kids. Yeah. The the punks are industrious. Yes. And in touch, like everybody knew somebody. I didn't know anybody in any other cities, you know, except my father, uh, you know, who lived down around DC as it happened. But that was really a coincidence with regards to this other stuff. Isn't that interesting? I've had friends outside of the punk scene back when I was young and we were playing in bands and punk bands play every weekend, right? Your friends put on shows and, and they'd be like, like, how do you get all these shows? You know? And I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know how it works outside of punk. You know, we just all kind of each other. In, in Western New York, there's also, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania is close. Rochester's Mm -hmm. up there. Syracuse is up there. Buffalo's up there. We're not far from Ithaca. Like it's, I mean, these are all, these aren't places you would necessarily want to spend a lot of time, but they were, they were perfectly good places to grow up and, and go make, you know, $20 playing a show somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's like a lot of the smaller towns like that, that are sort of, you know, especially when you get into those industrial towns where what you were mentioning is, is an important factor, whether it's highly segregated around neighborhoods, when you start meeting, you know, uh, you know, your like you're kind of like same thinking people, you know, and back then we, you know, growing up in a, not a huge town, but Santa Rosa, California, I mean, people used to shout things at us, call us freaks and sure. You know, whatever else, you know, I'm not going to get into all the names that we were called, but I think it's, it, you start finding your people and then you branch out into kind of the other neighborhoods, you branch out into the yeah. other towns around you mm-hmm. because yep. you've got this common thing, which Pepper just mentioned, like playing shows, like how do we get yeah. another show? It was, you know, it was all shows. It was all shows. I mean, that's where, mm-hmm. that's where anything, I mean, all, you know, then that beget benefit shows and that, you know, then you start bringing your friends in from out of town. And then there's something like MRR where you're, you're right. suddenly aware of like, there are bands in Italy. Like that's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how are we going to get yeah. them to Rochester? You know, I mean, they never made it to Rochester by and large. Yeah. Although I, that's probably not as true as I remember it. They probably came like, I also left. I was pretty young when I left. Yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of good things happened up there after I had already split, as it happens. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's definitely like good bands have come out of that area, and I think it's um, you know, when you've got like that smaller town and you can't, you don't, you have to make your own shows. Yeah. You're, it's not just like New York where there's a show every weekend, or DC where there was like that massive scene, you know, of, of DIY yeah. people. Like you, like you look to that to kind of create your community. So, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's just such a, such a, it well, like to document such good I memories think, too. You know, Ian, Ian talks a lot about that, Ian McKay, about like the role of documenting these things and archiving these things. Like part of the reason that DC scene seems so massive is because you've heard of every band that was there. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that it was any bigger than any other local scene. You know, right. I mean, like there's like there were people playing music in Rochester in 1981 and there's people playing now just like in D.C. But yeah. there's no there isn't one central. Right. You know, I don't you know, know archive a rec- or whatever. A record label that's putting everything out. Yeah. And have and somebody kind of kind of like kind of shepherding that, you know, keeping that being the steward of all that material makes it possible. So even, you know, Jim, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of seeing Jim Saw's book of photographs called in my eyes which is because he's from dc it's almost all dc stuff but jim's pictures you know are just another instance of this this kind of deep close-up recording of of what all that looked like but it's still only you know how many bands was chris bald in you know what i mean like that guy was in a lot of bands (laughs) or or uh, or mark Haggerty. you know i mean he 
Like these are these yeah. are people you see popping up over and over and over again. Uh, so I don't know. All, all of it's great, and I think if I hadn't found those people, I surely would not have you know survived my twenties. It's no question. You're making me remember. Also, we would start getting zines from other places oh, yeah. in the country and they'd have scene reports with would add to the mythology <laughs> of the yeah. whole thing. Right. Like, oh well, man, what's, like, well, what's this person you know, up they, to? Yeah. When they have Nazis too, like what are they doing about it? You know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so all fun. of that stuff was a way to kind of, a kind of, I mean, there's a lot of self mythologizing in it, you sure. know, at the same time, uh, what else were we supposed to do? <laughs> You know, like everybody else was boring. Like this was one way. A lot of us didn't have particularly happy homes to go to. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't have, we weren't going to college or something. You know, a lot of us were just kind of hanging around after high school. So start a band, meet the other kids, go play in Mm -hmm. Syracuse, you know, go, go wherever the action is. And, and know at least it's going to be hospitable, you know, but I think because of what you were saying, Kevin, like these are still your people. They're just, you just have to figure out how to get to Syracuse, you know? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I, I went, when I turned 18, my buddy and I went hitchhiking around the country with a list of punk houses on a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, you know, you walk right in. It's seamless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, when, when, what, you know, all, and you were part of this, you know, bands were going out touring without like the same sort of support that even when I started touring a few years later, like we had book your own fucking life from, you know, oh, sure. maximum rock and roll. And, the, but all, a lot of those contacts were built like, and Ian tracked it back when he was on the show, like DOA and black flag and all yeah. these like basically scraps of paper that he got from these guys with names written on them, you know? Yeah. And then eventually yeah, I think people kind I mean, of shared by the time all I joined, by the time I joined Jawbox, their second LP had come out. Like they weren't really a new band. Uh, right. So I, I mean, it was, you know, I think I, I joined on the second, novelty tour um, yeah and so i didn't i didn't have to do the worst of it you know but uh you know occasionally you'd bring your own cleaning supplies like you knew you knew you were getting into something where you, so sure. you're gonna be staying somewhere that wasn't gonna be great and uh and you know you'd make the best of it but by and large i think you know we, there were still occasions after i joined where we'd be saying from the stage does anyone have a place we can crash and then somebody, somebody always did, you know, and they, they, yeah, of course totally. you might have to, you might have to survive their demos or whatever they were working on, but, uh, yeah. that was all just part of it, you know, or, a, or a cassette tape interview that they were going to transcribe later for their local zine. Yeah. It's always, always later. <laughs> always. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been Did a, a lot banger. of that. There yeah. was a lot, a lot of late nights. <laughs> Getting getting questioned about you know whatever talking everyone to wanted to talk that, about know, I mean, Northern it, California, but it beat watching MTV like there was no yeah. whatever people I don't know what other people did you know I was part of that 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 stratum that didn't own a television between like 1990 and 1996 or something you know like mm-hmm. yeah at some point we capitulated and got VCRs again you know so we could watch movies but there was no right. <laughs> there was no you know and even after I moved here to New York in '97. I didn't really, I had, you know, I put the cable into my TV, the cable out of the wall, but I never, I didn't pay for anything. So it wasn't always, sometimes I didn't get certain channels. Sometimes IFC would be some other channel, you know, it was, Mm -hmm. there, there was a sense of a, of a kind of still being part of this kind of fugitive set of interests. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Even though by then, you know, I had already been dropped by a major label. Like I had already kind of evacuated some aspects of it, but I don't think. I don't think, uh, well, that may be another show altogether. Yeah. But it, it, I think that the, 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 once one has that kind of spirit, it's very difficult to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of stuff mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, you know, you, you grow up to be an adult who hitchhiked across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you grow up to be an adult who drove around playing squats in Europe for nine weeks. Like you, you, not everyone's like that. Like we, we think everyone's like that because so many people we know did those things. Right. Uh, my my wife and I call it the, the Fugazi principle, which is that everyone we know at least knows who Fugazi was. They might right. not like them or have heard a note of their music, but they know the Fugazi existed. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a total of about 1 million people in the whole world. 
Yeah. Okay? Right. right. But right. we but it seems like we know them all. Yeah, they're the yeah, hugest band. <laughs> yeah, they're the well, just because they're yeah, like they're you know they're the they're the kind of you can't get bigger than Fugazi. <laughs> Not in D. Well, you don't want if, I mean, if you're if you're bigger than Fugazi, like you're in somebody else's tribe. Yep. Right. Like you, yeah. you're 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 just not part of what what we're interested in. Right. Well, I think too, like the one of the we had a guest on a couple of years ago. That's the he's the music editor for the lo, the local, which is in San Francisco, huge public radio station KQED, mm-hmm. and he's he him and I talk about this. Had talked about this before, but he put it in the best terms. He's like, and I, he said he wants to write a book at some point. Everything I needed to know about life, I learned from punk. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, whether it's like doing, doing events, which is booking shows, dealing with travel, touring, you know, dealing with recording, you know, logistics and, and operations and sound. And so everything well, that and, I mean, even, in his life It's now, also small talk. It's, it's walking into yep. a room full of people you don't know. It's, I mean, it really is without disclosing too much perhaps, but you know, if I didn't learn it from punk, I learned it from AA, you know, there's. Like there's yeah. only so many places that a person once once you're being raised by wolves, like there's only so many places you can learn this stuff, you know. <laughs> Which is a, an amazing little segue because we're both sober as well, and I have been for oh, okay. a very long time. So I, I, I don't think mind. we've had three three uh, AAs on at the same time before, I think have we? we oh. May probably, maybe probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, and they disclosed it in their interviews. Uh, I don't know if they go to AA, but Blake and Chris. Are oh, right, 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 right. So, you know, but they disclosed that. I'm not revealing anything. That no, sure, talk about. sure. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting, too, that like um, a lot of people, um, you know, went through their, you know, their really down and out phases and always kind of found a community to come back to in kind of the DIY yeah. community. You know, mine's kind of before um, and at, like I went to rehab as a kid. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. And then, and I actually met the punk kids through the sober the young people's yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, and then later, you know, I started drinking when I was 25. I was sober for nine years prior to mm. that. Oh, wow. And, and kind of threw it all away relatively quickly. Sure. <laughs> start, starting in 1995, you know, and, and so, yeah. uh, and it, you know, it took me another several years to get that, mm-hmm. to get back on an even keel with it. But uh, the the years that we were just discussing are really years when I was sober, as it happens. Oh, you know? Yeah, right. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's interesting that, you, that AA came up because we don't talk about it on the show a lot. But when I was a young punk, I don't think I really had the values that I should have had. And I feel like... AA kind of brought this the values that I needed emotionally to the principles sure. I had kind of for AA because there's so much accountability and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, in service. I mean, the, the yeah, whole point exactly. of, of not, exactly. like, without saying too much about it, but, you know, yeah. I, the whole idea of not putting myself at the center of everything. Yeah. I mean, that was news to me an hour ago, you know, but it, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's probably yeah, news to me right course. now, you know, because you guys wanted yeah. to talk to me. But it right. like yeah. just that that even exists is something like that other people might benefit from something I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. You know, well, it think, never occurred to me on, on either end of that, you know. Well, I think mm-hmm. resetting that too, like what you said, like we forget so quickly about how important sure. it is to give what we have away. That it's yeah. like, you know, it gets kind of, you know, especially when people get busy and you get older and you put together some years, it's like that gets muddled, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah. I think, I, I actually think talking about this now, since you've been so open, like the combination of growing up in a DIY community and mm-hmm. having that sobriety aspect sort of like makes you really want to participate in activities that are sometimes out of the realm of even thought from other people. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, but, you know, and like, I think we're exposed to, at least as a kid anyway, when I, when I, uh, first, first went into the program, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was at, I was at municipal facilities. I was mm-hmm. at, I was mm-hmm. in neighborhoods that had nothing to do with mine. You know, yeah. I was, I was meeting all kinds of people and, and spending time with all kinds of people and, and working such as it is with all kinds of people that I would never have otherwise met. Yep. Uh, 
and even though I was raised by very open-minded people uh, who were very clear about how other people should be treated, I didn't always pick up on that, you know, I mean, but I was also mm-hmm. 13 or whatever, like, but, but certainly, you know, from the ages of about 15 to, to 20, uh, I spent a lot of time outside what, what otherwise would have been my, my purview, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think that's something by the time I met the punk kids, they were just awesome. I didn't, I didn't think anything. I didn't think like, well, I shouldn't talk to them because, you know, because yeah. whatever, because they can't control the bleach when they're washing their pants or whatever you know, the look was. At the time. <laughs> like, you know, like all I thought was these guys are awesome. And, and all they seem to talk about is music and beating up Nazis. Like that sounded great to me, <laughs> you know? Oh yes. Beating up Nazis. Well, um, I mean, the, you know, the I, lost I, I art. We, yeah. <laughs> totally lost art. No question. <laughs> I, I get a lot of flack. flack. Yeah. yeah, I get a lot of flack for that from my uh, so-called centrist friends. Like, why do you even say things like that? I'm like, because it's a really good idea to punch. Yeah, we should be a big yeah. rolled-up newspaper <laughs> saying no. You can't know, behave I, like this in public. I think buddy. that's. I think that's kind of how how it you know how it should be. I, I, I yep. I've at this point, I'm not even sure outside of my family that I have any centrist friends. Yeah, right. I, I find that's it true. intolerable. You know, like what what passes for centrist is still so aggressively conservative that yeah, it's appalling. True. You know, it is. It is. I, I uh, we could we could spend a whole show on that. I, I do want to kind of, and that's I know you've done a lot of sort of, you know, you've been a modern drummer and done some other stuff around the drumming, but I, I do want to just ask because your your drumming is so unique in many ways, and I mean, like I don't know how you give that hard every single night, especially touring. But I mean, how did you kind of develop the, your, you know, your technique and style? I know you, you practice a lot, which is obviously. Yeah. I mean, I still one. practice a lot. I, I've always kind of done, I've always practiced. Till, and anytime I've been doing anything that you might hear, I'm practicing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, there have been several years, uh, particularly towards the end of my drinking, I was playing a little bit, but not, much and not with anything in mind. Right. Uh, yeah. But I, I think the, a couple of things happened very quickly. One of which was I had to replace Adam Wade in Jawbox, Right. Which is a pretty daunting task. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Agreed. It, you know, I, like I was going to be, that was going to sort of put me uh, at a level that I was only a fan of, you know, oh, I, wow. I was yeah. not quite, I was not really prepared to be like, uh, a colleague of Pete Moffat's, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. right. Like I, to Pete was a God to me. Uh, you know, Brendan yeah. was a God to me and these, these guys ended up being sort of my pals as it happens. Uh, Cause at the, at the time too, like it didn't occur to me that they were only like, you know, three years older than me or something, you know what right. I mean? Cause, mm-hmm. cause, but I was 22. So I, everyone was older than me, you know, sort sure. of, uh, sure. But so I, but I had to, I had to, I had to take Adam's seat, which meant I had to distinguish myself somehow. And I, you know, looking back on it, uh, I was not as good a drummer at that time. I don't think as Adam was, um, but I could hit harder. So that was right. something I could do, you know. And I think the difficulty with with trying to with trying to hit hard is that usually it sounds dumb. It, it mm-hmm. you know it doesn't. It doesn't have any finesse. It doesn't have any feel. It doesn't have any grace. It's not. A, it's not inviting anyone to take part. Like it, it starts to really just like someone's hammering away for its own sake. And hmm. I think I was, except for hitting that hard. Um, you know, I grew up cover. You know, playing along with records and friends and playing Voodoo Child Slight Return for seven hours and you know playing along with, with Allman Brothers records and Stax records and Motown records. And, and it was all about how does it feel? I, you know, so, so mm-hmm. the idea that there was some, some balance to be struck between, uh, you know, my affection for, for, you know, Samba or cha-cha beats and this level of, of, of volume and kind of mass that I wanted to get behind it. Jawbox ended up being a place I could do that. I don't think they really expected that either. You know, I don't think like the first songs we wrote were jackpot and motorist, mm. uh, which was already a different, which already sounded different, you know? Right. Uh, so I think, 
so that, I mean, that's, I think how I ended up, you know, playing like that over the years, of course, it, uh, Nick Cave has a good line about this where he, t- he says that, uh, you know, it's the, the, the job of an artist is to continue trying on different masks, but eventually one of them calcifies and becomes your face, you know? So mm. eventually you, you become what you've been trying to be. And then that's who you are, you know, whether it's mostly just because of the process stopped, it's not necessarily the one you chose. You might've preferred to be the guy you were five years ago, but sure. here you are, you know? Yeah. And I, and I wow. think I've always been moderately comfortable with that. Uh, but I think I've also tried to push it, you know, uh, playing with Jawbox again is the first time. Well, I guess Kimura, the thing I did with Jonah, Matranga, and Jay, uh, was the first time I played with a singer, you know, with any with any attention to it in a long time. Like, I, right. my, you know, it seemed to me that, that the kind of playing I was trying to do would benefit from being an instrumental group. And so that's mm-hmm. how the Up On In happened. And then when I sort of picked up, you know, got my act together again and started Bells, Bells was a very similar idea, which was how can I take, how can I take all these ideas I've had about this and um, maybe make it a little looser than the Up On In was, you know, or make it a little more like, I I think Bells overall was probably a little more familiar sounding to Jawbox fans than the Up On In would have been. Uh, But, you know, it's, I mean, I'm still... I'm still trying to push things that way. Now, of course, when I go out and play in Jawbox, uh, it's very simple. I injure myself is what oh. happens. So it's right. not, I mean, I can't, I don't know how else to play that music. Right. Uh, but I, I'm aware of the fact that each time I do it, I end up hurting myself in some way or other, you know, right. uh, which is that that's the, that's the price of the ticket, right? Like if I'm going to try to do this at this age, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't mm-hmm. exercise otherwise. I'm not like I'm not doing my stretches every morning or something, you right. know, like I should. So, sure. you know, we're gonna go play Riot Fest, and I'll probably tear up my shoulder again. You know, were those which, shows fun to play? Oh, they've been great to play. I, you know, they've been they've been wonderful to play. And 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 Brooks in the band is a is a is a warm and uh, and familiar addition. Like we all know Brooks, and he's been playing with Jay for you know ten or fifteen years now. Yeah. Uh, and it's a different, it's a different vibe up there, you know, cause Bill's presence is very, is, is very tense and very, uh, aggressive, which I always enjoy, you know, and that's something he and I did well together, I think. But, uh, but playing with Brooks is very different because Brooks is a, you know, a little more inviting. He's a late, he's in, much in more persona. laid back in his persona. Much yeah. more. And I think, and I think, I think that shows, you know, that shows, well, it shows all across the stage. I mean, I think everybody has had to change something, you know, to, to play with him. And I think it, at least for what we're doing right now, uh, since he wants to be there, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, well, I can, you know, having seen you play a number of times previously, actually, and I got to see the Fillmore show before that you played with the Velveteen before oh, yeah. the Jawbreaker shows um, and shout out to the Velveteen. Um, local yeah. local guys from Santa Rosa. So, um, Case is their drummer's name is Casey, Casey right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good drummer. Yeah, he's bananas. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, super good. But I like. I will say that the show had the music that Jawbox plays is incredibly intricate for the kind of the scene in in many ways, but also. The shows, these Jawbreaker shows, you guys as a whole felt more inviting and warm as an mm-hmm. audience member than I think, you know. Sure. And and that, that's not good or bad. Like, totally that show. Well, I think, I think we're the, more comfortable with it. You know, like I think on the whole too, like if you caught us, um, you know, like say when we played the Fillmore in 2019, that was kind of yeah. the middle of what we were doing. And mm-hmm. we didn't know we were doing anything else after it. Right. Right. Like, so, I mean, when we got home, we had, we discussed doing Riot Fest in 2020 and, and some other thing, you know, the, the Primavera, the stuff we did this spring was all supposed to be in right. 2020. Uh, but like in San Francisco, we thought we only had made whatever it was, eight more chances to do this. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that made for, for some, I think everything was a little edgier. Uh, like we were edgier 
because yeah. there was a sense that like we had, you know, like we were, we were, this was it, you know? Yeah. It was going to mm-hmm. come to an end uh, of some kind. Whereas I think by the time, by the time we were talking about revisiting those, you know, postponing those dates and, and fulfilling those, those obligations, uh, there was a sense that, you know, well, well, maybe that doesn't have to be it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's go see, let's go do these jawbreakers. So like, let's get, let's get Brooks in the band. Like, let's get yeah. that worked out, go play some public shows. So that was what the jawbreaker shows were. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. let's go finish up what we started, yeah. which was Europe and then Riot Fest next month. So it, I, I think, I think it's, it is a different band than it was with Bill, the way it was, you know, the last time Jawbox had a new guy, it was me. Yeah. That was a right? long so, time ago. It was a long time ago, but the but the band changed pretty remarkably when I joined. Yep. The same way it changed pretty remarkably when Bill joined. Yeah. You know, a couple of years before that. Yep. Like so I I, I kind of look at it that way. Jay Jay's line uh his reassuring line to me was that it's the same but different. All this is the same but different. Yeah. Like we don't have to worry about whether it sounds like Jawbox cuz Jawbox is the is the band that's playing it. Like, yeah. of course mm-hmm. it sounds like Jawbox, you know, like mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about, you know, I was really worried about, uh, I guess just having aged or something. I, I had a real hang up about not being able to play this music the way I used to. Mm. And of course, what I learned was I can't play it the way I used to at all. Right, 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 <laughs> right. But, right. but no one cares. I don't care. You guys didn't seem to care. You know, not like no one cares. Yeah, so We're all good. coming, you know, like it. Like we're going out and we're having a good time and we're doing the best we can. And, you know, when we, when we go out to play with any show in any group, right, the audience wants a good show and the band wants, everybody wants a good show. Yeah. So what, what, what do you have to do to pull that off? You know, and, and I still find to answer your original question in that band, I still feel like I have to hit that hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, like the day we sort of show up on everyone's sitting down. I'm not the only one sitting down. Like we've probably gone a little too far. You know, we probably could have <laughs> right. stopped playing before that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure Kim could sit still anyway. Right. I mean, like, it, no, it starts I, to become a kind of foregone conclusion. I mean, she's animated all the time. When we interviewed her a few weeks ago, she was like, she was all in. It was, you know, it's, it's, yeah. she's a, she's an absolute blast to talk to. I mean, she's really an interesting, interesting person and, and uh, very charismatic. Well, and I think all like you all have like, you know, you all have very strong personalities. So I, I do want to talk about the new freedom sound because um, you know, and I'm, I'm oh, not sure I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm, I will disclose that I have used your music on my other podcast. Um, I'm friends oh, with yeah, Gordon, of course. Gordon and, um, and, you know, just talk a little bit about how that started to come. And I, I love Gordon. Like he is just a solid. Oh, well, Gordon, being, Gordon's everyone I've ever met. Yeah. He, yeah. he yeah. uh, well, I, I met Gordon, uh, when we were doing the first bells record and he came out and played with us, came out and, and recorded with us when we were doing that record. And then he, you know, he, he sort of became like another person in bells. Uh, he would play with us live. He played on the last record. Um, and, and then, and he and I have our own within that we had our own dialogue, which I think is sort of the stuff that he had sent to you originally, Kevin was, was part of that. Yep. Um, but the, the the principle of what he was doing there uh, is basically what New Freedom Sound started out as, which is to say, uh, the germ of the of the of the compositions is this vocal these vocal harmonies I was putting together, mm-hmm. and then I would sort of figure out what time signature it was in, and then send it to him to to put something to. But because it's Gordon, he might send me back five different ideas. Right. Right. So then what I would do is kind of edit and layer and edit and layer and maybe add some percussion and just, you know, monkey around with it. And then uh, by the time we got to Magpie Cage, the Jay's studio, Mm -hmm. and the first session, it was me and Gordon and Jay and Mark Cisneros. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was really just like, play what you want. You know, I'll figure this out later. Uh, And then I took that home. And then for the the next session... um, it was the same kind of thing. Just those guys adding whatever they wanted, which in Mark's case is like, you know, it, he looks like a marching band when he's unloading his car, you know, cause there's, there's saxophones and a trombone and a cornet and a, you know, uh, he didn't bring the vibraphone, but he did bring the double bass. Like he, 
you know, wow. I mean, he can, he can play all of these things uh, skillfully, which is a real, you know, unusual collaborator to say the least. And then we had also found a, an oboist named Lenny Young uh, through a, a mutual, a guy we know in DC who had been his college roommate. So Lenny though, was a, he's a professional oboist. Wow. Like, so getting him in on the session when, when, when he first stepped into the, the live room and we were like, well, do you want to hear it first? Should we roll something for you? Like, how do you want to do? He's like, nah, just roll it up. You know, let's record. I'll just start playing. And we all, it's the minute he started blowing into that thing, we all started laughing because it was, it was breathtaking. None of us really knows an oboe. It's not an instrument that any of the guys or, or I had spent a lot of time with. Sure. Uh, but man, you know, what a, what a, what a right choice that was. <laughs> what a, what a wonderful guy he is. So now we're going to go back into the studio for more of this in January. And, uh, uh, Janet Morgan from channels and, uh, Greetings from Data Lake. Jay's wife is singing on it as well, and the same. We'll just get everybody in there to do whatever they want. Is that so? That that's how it comes together. And then I go home and and sort of make it into compositions. Um, the, the 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 impetus was COVID, and there was nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I think, like a lot of us, I was I was listening to a lot of music, uh, but everything else was on ice. And my band, if I even, you know, such as it was, was in, was in DC and Baltimore. So I wasn't going to get anything in, in, and we weren't, we were just waiting for shows. We weren't like working on new stuff, you know? So uh, like if I was going to make any new music, I was really going to have to go and just do it. So uh, I sort of, you know, learned logic as I was going um, and then started sending these files to Gordon. And that was really that's sort of all it was, you know, but it was, I think it was a way to get out of the apartment and it was a way to, uh, I didn't have to worry about, well, for one thing, there are no electric guitars or electric basses in, in those sessions. So, I mean, I don't know what the future mm -hmm. holds, but it's the first time I've ever made music without those instruments oh, that's uh, great. In, uh, involved, you know? So, and I, and I listen to a lot of music that doesn't have those instruments. Um, and I listen to music that doesn't have a lot of beats, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like to the whole, the whole kind of general rock and roll approach that we've all inherited was kind of out the window for most of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was great, you know, cause I could, I could just, would it just, whatever saying, you know, I didn't, I could stick to the click if I wanted to, I could throw everybody off the click if I wanted to borrowing every, everyone's approval which of course I saw it on these pieces I, there, there was nothing. I, there was no pattern, yeah. nothing to stick to. I could just go in and, and do it, which is how it ended up being called the new freedom sound was, you know, and Gordon, nobody's telling him what to play. He's not covering something as he's become kind of known for, uh, you know, in, in Lenny's case, Lenny's a, Lenny's a, uh, he plays in an orchestra, you know, mm -hmm. he always has to play the piece. This is, he doesn't often get called on to just come in and play what he wants, you know, it's awesome. And Jay is, Jay's never played piano on a record. Wow. You know, that's so amazing. That's not something that could be done without kind of being at this particular trends, like moment of technology and COVID yeah. and everything. And you have these long form kind of things, yeah. you know, that you said take maybe a couple years to even get it fully formed. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's great. I love that. Well, and it, I think it works also because on the one hand I have, I mean, everything, I record everything with Jay, you know, I mean, including yeah. the stuff I play with Jay, like, but Jay's my guy. So, and I've known him now for, uh, you know, several hundred years or whatever. And I, you know, Gordon and I now go back uh, over 10 years, but then, you know, Mark, I met in person for the first time when Jawbox played with Hammered Hulls. I hadn't met Mark in I just knew him by reputation and Lenny, none of us had even seen before until he showed up at studio. So on the one hand, we have these kind of long-standing, relatively deep relationships. On the other hand, this new blood just coming in and just tearing it up. You know, it's 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 very exciting. Uh, I think, especially, and then this may be part of what you were saying, Pepper, is that the other thing I'm doing is 35 years old. Yeah. <laughs> 
And that's exactly, on the one hand, exactly. like there's this thing we would have done if it's 35, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely the older thing. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have this, this new thing, you know? Yeah. Well, the new thing is awesome. And I've really enjoyed hearing sort of the, because Gordon sent stuff to me so early on, as far as like the recording stuff versus what everyone else has heard more recently, like watching sort of the development of some of the songs too, because there's parts that have been sort of redeveloped, repurposed on the record that I think you guys were working on previously in that first set of Dropbox files he sent me. And, you know, I, I highly recommend people that just love music, listen to this, like regardless of genre, because it's one of those things that is so unique and so interesting. And I think you all work together so well, um, you know, and the, the, the drum beats are incredible. I mean, like, well, thanks. You know, like, you know, that moment where you're hearing stuff and you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, drummers all do this to each other. I think where you're just kind of like, you kind of like almost like, like, or in like a trance where you're like, you know, like you just feel it. Oh, sure. It's like, it, sure. you know, it's, it's really, yeah. you know, it's incredible. And I just, you know, like I said, you're definitely on, on my, uh, on my top list of drummers, especially, you know, getting to see you uh, play live, but the, the record is really good. And I'm, I said, you know, I would definitely recommend run over to Bandcamp, listen to it. If you know, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a fantastic record and each, each piece well, is, thank you. is quite unique. You know, there's not any two that sound like the same thing. And I think that's what makes it kind of cool. So, um, you know, it's well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great stuff. And, you know, having like an affinity for the players too makes it easier to listen to. I think there's a lot of music that I don't know that I would love if I didn't know what great people were making it. And so there's a spirit that you get to feel in it. Yeah. You know, um, sure. You know, I kind of joke about that. If I was, you know, if I was like a little kid again, I'd be picking all this pop music that's like well you know produced and put together for that effect probably but having grown up in a scene where you know people weren't always the greatest musicians but were playing with such heart you know it like really kind of opens right. your your ears to stuff but then when i stuff, think about that all the well. time like if you're if you if you played if the kids went to when they got to nursery school only heard coltrane's ascension yeah right like what does what does someone like that grow up to be you know and my guess is that yeah, I mean, some of some of that would probably be frightening because the changes are so abrupt and so much of it. Totally. You know, I, I don't know the kids that age are ready to soar, but uh, but I do wonder about that. You know, what if it wasn't like what if it wasn't John Denver or whatever? You know, the, yeah, totally. I can't, you know, I can't remember the first thing I heard, but certainly there was a lot of you know a lot of AM radio around the house when I was a kid, yep. and some jazz. You know, my father brought some jazz to the house, so that was an alien, yeah, to me. But uh, I, I think about that, you know, that how much of this, you know, when we, when we get to something and we say, man, that sounds great. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's not Ed Sheeran, right? Like it doesn't, no. it doesn't actually sound great necessarily. <laughs> right. Like to us, it sounds great. Cause we're, cause we're, we're tuned into what, who's doing it and where it's coming from. And, mm-hmm. and even if it's something that we're not, you know, every now and then, right. We come across something and we think, who came up with this? Like, where did this come from? Yeah. And, you know, but, but it, so they recorded it with Jay. So we'll give it a shot, you know, or, or, yeah. or something like that. Uh, and I think that, that given the budgets we all work with and that a lot of us are uh, effectively, you know, formally professional or, or high flying amateur artists, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have, we don't have six weeks to go finish that single. Nope. You know, so right, we're, we're trying right, to work right. this stuff out pretty quickly. Unlimited budget and giant studio with yeah, you know, 50 like I would, gazillion even, tracks. Even when people, yeah, even when people thought we had that, that's it's not really how it works, you know. No, no. So, um, but frankly, I, I also think about if we, if anybody I knew was on was in that boat, I don't know that we'd last more than five weeks anyway. Yeah, that's you know? true. Like, that's true. It's it's a it's a hard one. Um, so we're, yeah. we're, we're coming up on time here and I just want to, okay. I, I want to, you know, just, just wrap a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, definitely suggested to people go out and, and listen to this record, you know, and give it a good listen. Like when you have some space, cause there's a lot going on. 
Um, we'll put a link to yeah. it in the show. Yeah, notes we'll put a link too. in the show. Oh notes. yeah, thank you. And then um, you. anything else coming up? I know Jawbox is playing Riot Fest. There's been sporadic shows here and there. Yeah, there's Riot Fest. All we have, all we have on deck right now is Riot Fest, and there's a there's a show at Cobra Lounge in Chicago okay. that same weekend. Yeah, uh, they were playing with Bird Hands, awesome. uh, which is Alan Epley and Ian Prince on drums. Yeah, amazing. And that's coming up in September in Chicago. Um, and yep. obviously, and then I think, and then there's also the the live record is coming out on vinyl. Okay, this fall, great on Arctic Rodeo Recordings. Uh, and then you know, I think we're gonna. It's been a pretty hectic year. Yeah, you know, for a band that almost doesn't exist, so. I think we're gonna we're gonna take it easy. See what see what else there is to do next year. Yeah, cool. Well, and are you are you got are you all writing anything new right now? That's always the question we're gonna get. So. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Uh, but again, I there you know, we're not ruling anything out. Yeah, but there's a lot of other stuff to do. Like Kim's back at school yeah. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brooks Brooks is on tour right now with War on Women. Yeah. So you know, there's saw that. And and I, you know, I my wife and I have a stationery store here in Brooklyn, so I got to come back to work. Yeah. And, uh, and Jay and Janet are doing some traveling right now. So like it, I think by the time everybody regroups, like we look up and it's three months later. Yeah. You know. Sure. Um, yep. But yeah, oh. I don't. We don't. We don't rule anything out. What's your stationery store called? Oh, it's called Measure Twice. Okay. Oh, that's a good name. That's a great name. Yeah, we're doing a bunch a of good store. doing a bunch of good house work like construction right now. So that's the that's the that's the golden rule of, of building. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. Yeah. So all right, well, I'll check it. That's I come great. out there from time to time, so I've got uh, family there. So I uh, definitely will check oh, it yeah. out the next time I'm there. I usually uh, force Blake wonderful. Blake to come out to dinner with me when I'm there, which can be both wonderful and awkward at certain times. I see him when he's when he does his he does his grocery shopping. <laughs> Not far from the shop, so I see him yeah. usually with a bag full of you know yeah. produce or something. Yep, I I, I force him into into uh, awkward social settings. So <laughs> it's not hard to it's, you know it's not hard to do with him. <laughs> I'm never sure if he's having a good time. It takes about three days for him to text me after our because I usually have these big family dinners, you know, because I've got t- sure. tons of family and friends back there. But he, and he's always kind of like. Doesn't see look like he's sure, and then he texts me. He's like, "Oh, that was great. Thank you so much." You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I've been having the same conversation with him since something like 1990. Oh yeah. Uh, and it and and the sands are always shifting. Yeah. You know, like I never I never know. I think it, sometimes I'm not quite sure what we're talking about. You know, but it, but we're very fond we're fond of each other, and that's. Yeah, that's sure. the guiding. That's the guiding force there. That is the the usually the principle that on which friendships are built. So, one um, would hope. Yeah, one would hope. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to stop the recording and then um, just give it a second. We'll, I'll chat with you why and when I when I stop the recording. But thank you for listening. Sure. Thanks for yeah, listening, thanks for everybody. Me. Hey, angel, come sit.